Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. This past Wednesday night, I began uh, a series that I originally intended to do just on Wednesday nights, but in fear of that kind of getting stretched out too far and us losing a little bit of the uh, impact of that, I feel to just move perhaps uh, just consecutively a few services here with this. We're going to be talking about the subject of prayer again, and uh, I ask the Lord to help us today to understand the worth of prayer in our lives. This is not a, this is not a Bible study or a series to pound anybody over the head with a Bible, but this is something to pry the heart of every person. Amen, because if we can understand the value of what prayer does in our lives, then we can and will be forever changed. I, um, I feel like that I have brought too much material with me for the first service, to, so rather than just try to shoehorn all that into everything, I'll probably just make this part two A and B. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll finish up in the second service, but you want to hang around for the second service. Now, this is not an advertisement or a tease, but I'm being very serious uh, because I want us to bring all of this together. And in the end, I believe we can do that uh, with the help of the Lord. And so I'll just get as far as time will permit me in the first service, and then we'll just move right along, maybe summarize a little bit for those that will be joining us, and then we'll conclude. I want to talk about prayer, our source of strength. And uh, it truly is, it truly is just that for us. And uh, the essence of prayer, I think, often is misunderstood, and that is in part why I feel compelled to address the subject. I think that many times we, we feel like that prayer has, must be that, um, I, I jokingly say we put on our best stained glass voice and come into the presence of the Lord, but sometimes that is sort of the mindset that, you know, we're just, oh, our dear Heavenly Father, how I love thee and adore thee and, and uh, things of that nature. And that may be how we pray from time to time. That may be just how we feel from time to time. Sometimes, and some of you will understand what I mean, sometimes I feel, I feel pretty, pretty King James when I'm in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and there's something beautiful about just saying how I love thee. And, uh, but every now and then, I, I think that we have to understand that prayer is just like simply talking to God like we would a friend. And uh, he called us children, he calls us sons and daughters, and uh, we're called heirs and joint heirs. But I think one of the greatest compliments that we receive from the Lord himself is when he called us friend. And that, that kind of, that changes the dynamics of everything. And uh, certainly with our friends, we should not be disrespectful or presumptuous. But I do believe that the terminology friend uh, allows me and affords me to just be myself, just be myself. And sometimes uh, that's exactly what I have to do. 
I believe that prayer uh, should not be done superficially. Prayer should not be done arrogantly because it is communion with God. And, and it's so vital that prayer, uh, we understand prayer is effective because it is the fulfillment of the plan of God. God met with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. It was what? Communion. Communication, uh, to put it more in our language, it was communication between God and man. And, uh, and so today, uh, God still desires to speak with us and commune with us and have relationship with us. And so our adversary, because of that, is constantly trying to attempt to confuse our understanding and attempt to confuse our commitment to prayer. And uh, oftentimes we don't pray because we misunderstand what it's all about, or other times we pray, uh, we, are, we are attacked in our commitment to prayer. And um, it's like anything else that's good for you, all you have to do is miss doing it one time. <laughs> and no matter how faithful you have been, it just seems like you're having to rebuild from the ground up. Every generation, I feel like, faces the necessity to address the confused perception of prayer because for many, uh, prayer, real prayer, has, has been replaced with just pragmatic action, just going through some motions. And, and then when that happens, here's the danger of that happening. When that, when that becomes a reality, then function takes the place of fellowship. And we're just praying because we feel an obligation to pray. And we're, we're praying, and, and that's why, if I can link these two things together, that's why every year when we are promoting our Bible reading, whether you use the bread program or whatever program, I know a lot of uh, people have digital Bibles now, and they have uh, systematic prayer uh, options themselves. But, so whatever you use for prayer, this is, it's not a contest. This is not, so we're not trying to win a pan of brownies on December the 31st. We're trying to get the word of God in our lives. And so we shouldn't approach it as though, I, well, I gotta get this out of the way today. I, I gotta get this out of the way. We need to approach it as I, I wanna enjoy this time of nourishment. And uh, this morning I looked in the eyes of those men that were gathered around the table and, and uh, the grits and the eggs and the, biscuits and the sausage gravy and the bacon and I'm just making everybody jealous it wasn't here on purpose and the, <laughs> and the milk and the fresh squeezed orange juice plucked right out of the cooler from the grocery store from somewhere. Those men were not just trying to get that out of the way. They, they weren't trying to move on to the next order of business. I saw some of them in line more than one time because they said I wanna enjoy this season of nourishment and uh, some of those men acted like they, had, they don't get breakfast regularly. I, I, I know they were just putting on, but that's how some of them were really acting. It's like they didn't really recognize grits and eggs and bacon that early in the morning. But nevertheless, moving right along. So we're not trying to get prayer and Bible reading out of the way, but I wanna enjoy this season. I wanna, I wanna receive something from this word and let it speak into my heart and let it minister to me. And so we can't just allow function to override fellowship because fellowship is what it's all about. I, I heard a man uh, this week say, and I know what he was talking about, 
An, an older gentleman, he and his wife have been married for many, many, many years, and he said, my wife and I often sit in the house together in the evenings alone, and he said, she knows what's on my mind, I know what's on her mind, so there's no need to discuss it. I think somewhere in there, in all honesty, I think he was, there was a compliment. I think it got lost in interpretation, but nevertheless. And so we can't take that same attitude about prayer. God knows what's on my mind. I know what's on his mind, and so there's no need to discuss it. Prayer is a time of discussion. It's a time of, of letting our needs be known and, and our feelings be known. I have, I have no doubt that... Uh, People in my life love me, but I, but I certainly enjoy hearing them say I love you from time to time. That kind of just brings it into focus, and I don't want to walk around with some perpetual assumed uh, or some perpetual assumption. I want to hear that. I want to experience that, and so it is with God. And we live now in a very uh, we live in a a very noisy world. I sought for a, a, perhaps a better word there, but I don't know any better way to put it. But we really live in a very noisy world. And what I'm fixing to talk about for the next few moments, particularly, I am as guilty of as anyone in this room. But we've allowed all sort of things to hinder our quiet time with God. All sorts of things. We live in a very hurried, high-paced uh, society in the hour. I remember um, when I first started pastoring, uh, I always took advantage of the times that I had, for instance, in the car alone. And uh, if I was on the way to the hospital or on the way wherever, uh, you, you've probably figured out from here it's a long way anywhere. And so <laughs> you have quite a bit of downtime. And uh, so I enjoyed those times uh, often just quiet. It was just, just the quiet time. That was, you were away from the phone at home, away from the phone at the office, and, and uh, it was just, just your some downtime. I also took advantage of those seasons from time to time to listen to uh, whatever era I was in, the cassette tape or CDs and things of that nature, and enjoy some good preaching or teaching and just let that kind of be some alone time and uh, allow the Lord to minister to me. And, uh, but today, technology, with it being what it is, we have less and less time to ourselves. With smartphones in our lives, really and truly, we are never away from the duty and the pressures of life and or work. It's always right there. We essentially have our office with us every waking moment of the day. And I remember when these technologies first were introduced to us, I thought that was so incredible that that I don't have to wait till I get home to check my email. I don't wait, have to wait till I get home to be able to send an email or reply. You can just, I mean, the selling point is that you can do this right where you are. And wow, that was just so incredible and, and, uh, and enjoyed that for a long, long time. We essentially have our office with us. We have our lives, our entire lives, the scope of our lives with us wherever we go. Um, I, I don't know how many of you know what a, a, a jump driver, a flash drive is. I had one a moment ago, but um, a jump driver, a flash drive, some of you know what that is. And, and uh, so some, just a couple of years ago, I was backing up some information. And, and so one of the things I wanted to do is back up 
all of my sermon files. And so I backed up all the sermon files and everything I've ever preached or taught and all through the years and 30 some odd years. And uh, I pulled that thing out and was putting it up and all of a sudden I realized my whole life's work was in the palm of my hand. (laughs) Yeah, I went for a long walk that afternoon. I walked west, but I just never could find the sunset. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so we are just, we're, it's with us every day. And, and there was a time that was exciting. And I can do whatever I need to do. And, and hospital waiting rooms uh, no longer were just times of decompression. They were no longer times to just read. But now I can answer emails and you can do the same. I'm talking about me, but you're included in this. And, and now all of a sudden in a doctor's office between visits, we are, we're not just mulling away time, but we're working and feel good about all the multitasking. I was able to do all of this. And most likely we praise ourselves for the work that we were able to accomplish while we were not even home or not even in the office and never stopped to realize that something very critical in our lives was slowly getting whittled away. And again, I am guilty, but I am working to be better. We see people of all ages walking around with headphones or earbuds in their ears. Noise, noise, noise always being pumped in, something to pacify because we live in such a noisy society, frankly, we're uncomfortable without it. Amen. I feel like the plow's getting deep today. Guilty, guilty. My wife and I bought a special piece of luggage several years ago and it goes with us wherever we go. It has thousands and thousands and thousands of miles on it because in this most critical piece of luggage is our little travel fan. Oh no, we're not that hot natured. We just don't want to be without the noise. And so when we fly and we can't take the fan, oh, we've tried. Technology gave us a better answer. Just download a noise machine on your phone and then you can put that in your head. And so that way we can ensure to never have quiet time. Quiet time. Noise, stealing away private moments between creation and creator. The Bible speaks about meditating on the word. Now my toes are bloody as anybody's right now. The psalmist often ends his writings with this word, Selah, which means pause. Think about what you've just read. Think about that. Let that saturate, marinate in your soul. Don't just try to check it off the list and move to the next word, but let this soak in your heart just a moment. And so we need time alone with God. For others, prayer lacks a sense of awe and respect. Their efforts are sometimes disrespectful or uh, irreverent. People act as though God is the clerk behind the desk or behind the counter at the hardware store and, and that we can just walk into that prayer room and we can, we can ring the bell or pound the counter and that God then just needs to run back into the storage room and get whatever it is that we've requested and bring it back to us as we requested it. 
with a sense of irreverence and disrespect, we walk into a prayer room and say, God, this is my list for today and if you can meet these demands, I'll be right out of here and on my way. Attempt to force God to do what they believe that God ought to do. But then sadly, for some prayer is just nothing more than a routine. It's just a ritual. It's just something we do. It may be done with the utmost respect, and, and, uh, but yet we, we find that it lacks real purpose, a real vitality. And I, I don't think you have to jump up and down to pray necessarily. I don't think you have to scream to pray necessarily. Uh, but I think that there should be some vitality to what we're saying. There ought to be some life to what we're saying. Amen. And so when we, we spend time with God and when it lacks real purpose, when it lacks real meaning, there's really no conversation. We're just trying to say something. We're just trying to fill up space. And so we need to be very careful to do something about that. And when it lacks purpose, I promise you this, it won't be long until you won't spend adequate time because there's no rhyme or there's no reason. While there are many reasons that we struggle to pray, I believe there's one overriding factor and that is that ultimately in prayer, in real prayer, a person discovers the real true condition of their spiritual life when we examine ourselves in private. Amen. Somehow we have less to say to God when we're alone than when we're in the presence of others because in the presence of others, it gives us a little cushion and, and, and who we are, who we really are, or who we are not, kind of gets lost in the mix. It, it kind of gets all jumbled in together and so it, it seems to have more meaning when we're all praying together. But when you are alone with God and you really see the struggle of really staying focused in prayer, am I speaking to anybody? It's real easy when we're all praying together you know, we, we've kind of got this momentum. The wagon train is all moving in the same direction with some hurried rush or with some power, momentum. And it's easy to step in the vein of that. But when we are alone with God in prayer, then and there we see the real difficulty of focusing our prayer because it's there in prayer that our mind many times is all we can do to just wrestle it back to staying on track. I plead guilty among you today to to be here sincerely seeking the Lord for something and the next thing you know, I'm painting a wall in my mind or I'm building something or we're remodeling something in our mind. I go, oh, I, I bring it all back into check again and start, oh, I, I apologize, God. I, I want to stay focused. And the next news you know, I, I, my mind is in tomorrow and, I'm, and it's, it's a real struggle because in prayer, private prayer alone, we really see who we are. And that, it, it shouldn't be true, but it really is. And, you see, when we've left the, the realm of activities and, and outward dealings of other people and, and when we're alone with God, it's there that we really know where we stand spiritually. And a lot of people avoid prayer because they don't wanna know where they stand spiritually. This really happened to me this week. It was not a member of this church, so don't let your mind fish in that pond. But I was talking to, uh, to someone about some, something and, and uh, they didn't know that to be true and it wasn't a spiritual matter, it was a legal matter and, and, uh, and they said, oh, don't, don't say anymore, I don't, want to know, I don't want to know anymore. As though ignorance of the law <laughs> is gonna preserve you. No, 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 don't say anymore, don't say anymore, I don't wanna know anymore and, and, and so sometimes it is in the presence of the Lord we really get to see who we are. 
We find those shortcomings and, and, uh, and, and so that's why it's so very, very important that we have alone times with God, that we have the privilege to work on those areas. And I'm certainly not speaking against public or outward prayer because too often, uh, I'm not speaking against that, but too often we lose who we really are in the noise of it all. But when we're standing alone in the presence of God, there's nothing to hide behind. There, there's nothing to distract your attention. Uh, now I'm gonna tell you, I didn't have to confess this, but I'm going to. But last night, uh, I was here at the church praying and, and out of habit, after I left home, I left home preparing what I'm talking about right now. And I did what I so often do as I took my phone out, I turned on iTunes to my favorite little thing to pray by and I said it right here on the corner of this podium and I walked around praying to the music and all of a sudden I got to thinking about what I was fixing to preach to you all about because I needed the security blanket of a little noise. So <laughs> I came back up here, turned all that off and apologized to the Lord and said, let's try this again. Let's try this again. And so God help us that, that, that we can, in that moment, let God reveal to us our weaknesses. And, and to be sure, God is not revealing weaknesses to shame us by no means, but he's there to help strengthen us in areas of our lives. Anybody ever been to the doctor and, and when you're back there in that room and your doctor looks at you and said, you put on a few pounds? Well, that's a real ego builder, isn't it? You know, they're not trying to shame you. They're not trying to ruin your day. They're, they're trying to get up really where we are and say, hey, you gotta do something about it. I remember, I, I, I haven't always looked like this. I mean, I'm just gonna leave it at that. But I've been going to Dr. Samara for, ever since we've been here. And, and uh, I remember one day he pulled out the charts and he started talking to me about that. And then all of a sudden he starts looking back. I knew where he was going. I mean, when he grabs papers like this and starts turning them over, I thought, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. He's going way back further. And I just, I, thank God he didn't say it out loud. He just shook his head. <laughs> this is where you started. This is where you are. In most sports, I would have been the winner in that, but I was the loser. He was not trying to shame me, but he was trying to say, we need to do something about this. We need to do something about this. And so to help strengthen us in the areas of our lives, we need to let God reveal to us who we are or who we aren't. And all of this being true, please allow me to mention one more obstacle we face and that the greatest danger to persist effective prayer, to persist in effective prayer is the habit of performance without passion. <clears throat> we need to be passionate about that. I don't normally like to just read things from the pulpit, but I do want to read this, and if you'll just bear with me. But a 17th century Puritan pastor, John Preston, captured the essence of this danger in these words. So we're talking about the 17th century, and let's watch how that parallels today. He's speaking of prayer, said, if it is performed in a formal or customary manner, you would be as good to omit it altogether. For the Lord takes our prayer not by number, but by weight. <laughs> not by how many times we showed up, but by content, by content. When there is no life, when there is no fervency in it, God does not regard it. If you find your sinful lust, your business there is to work them out by prayer. 
If you would find your hearts cleaving to too much of the world, you must wean them and take them off. If you find a deadness in you, you must lift up your soul to the Lord and not give over until you are quickened. Otherwise, it is just a hypocritical performance. Remember that you must, you must perform it in such a manner that we have heat and life in it that it may be acceptable unto God. That's what preachers were talking about in the 17th century. So this is not just an issue that we're facing today in the 21st century. This is an age-old issue. Sadly, most of us can relate to some degree in these indicting words, nothing, nothing, hear me, is so sacred that Satan will not invade it. Nothing, nothing in our lives are so sacred that Satan will not invade it. In fact, the more sacred something is, the more he desires to profane it. Surely few things please him more than the attempt to come between us and our God during times of relationship. Nothing is more pleasing to him than to interrupt that sacred hour of prayer, that sacred season that we are speaking with God. Sin can follow us into the very presence of God and no sin is more powerful and more destructive than the sin of pride. In most moments when we come before the Lord in worship and purity of heart, we may be tempted if we're not careful to worship ourselves. Amen. One writer said we tend to think of sin as we see it in the rags and in the gutters of life. That's kind of how we picture sin. Well, there's a sinner. Well, how'd you know he's a sinner? We made that assessment upon what we saw. We looked at the gutter of sin. We looked at the rags of sin. But I wonder if the real picture of sin is not when we are on our knees and we are more concerned about us than anything else. The sin of pride, me, 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 me. Self-asserting self if you really wanna understand something about the nature of Satan and his activities, then, then go to the wilderness where Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights, something so sacred you would have thought hell would have left that alone, but oh no, 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 that's, not, that's, that's the true picture of Satan when you see him at the end of 40 days and 40 nights tempting Jesus Christ himself. And so sin, if we're not careful, will lead us to take shortcuts in all of our Christian disciplines certainly not the least of which prayer. And when we succumb to its temptations, often enough, hypocrisy becomes the pattern of our life without realizing it. Because you see, hypocrisy is very, very subtle and it is very, very deceiving and it is very destructive. So that's why we often see and hear Jesus condemning those that were guilty of hypocrisy. During his earthly ministry, the group of the guiltiest of hypocrisy were the Jewish religious leaders of the day. Ironically enough, the people you would normally expect to be his greatest supporters were his greatest antagonists. That's because his righteous words and his righteous deeds condemned their unrighteous practices. To protect his followers, his followers from their evil influence, listen to what Jesus said, he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And leaven, if you know anything about that in Scripture, it doesn't, the Scripture says it doesn't take but just a little leaven to leaven the whole loaf. Just a little bit of wrong will taint the entire batch. And so he said, you need to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees 
which is hypocrisy. And so a little bit of hypocrisy in our lives can just taint the entire effort that we are endeavoring. God had taught the nation of Israel all manner of things. Certainly at the top of that list would be prayer. No religion has ever had a higher standard or priority of prayer than Judaism. As God's chosen people, the Jews were the recipients of God's word. So here they are at the top of the list. According to Romans 3 and 2, the Bible says that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. And so here are people that know more or ought to know more about prayer than anybody standing. The Old Testament Jews desired to pray because they believed God wanted them to approach them. Perhaps they got that truth from the writings of David in Psalms 145, 18, which says, the Lord is near unto all that call upon him. Amen. I, maybe that was, maybe that was the, the catalyst for that. The rabbis rightly believed that prayer was not only communication with God, but also prayer was a mighty weapon that released his power, which is all true. It releases his power in us. The word of God makes clear that God wanted to hear the prayers of all people. Men may become tired of listening to men. People may get weary in listening with people, but hear me today, prayers never weary God. But don't we fight that sometimes? Don't we wrestle with that sometimes? that here I am again, Lord, I'm right back again. I'm, I'm bringing the same need, the same petition. It just seems like I'm coming again. And, and so Satan tries to shame us in those areas of our lives because we ought to be bigger than this. We ought to be more mature than this. We ought to be over this by now. I will say it again, men may get weary with listening to men. People may get weary with listening to people, but God never gets weary with listening to our prayer, hallelujah. And I take great comfort in that. And so when the devil tries to condemn me, I wanna rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. I wanna rebuke that spirit and say, I, I'm not gonna hush, I'm not gonna silence, I'm not gonna back away because prayer, prayer is my only hope. I gotta talk to Jesus about this. Amen, I have got to talk to Jesus about this. The Jews believe that prayer should incorporate several elements. It should incorporate praise. Psalms 34 and one, it's not on the screen, but I'll read it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so we're gonna praise him all the time, always praising the Lord. It's so it's so encouraging to me to be around people that, that you just hear and you, they're not doing it for show, they're not doing it for shine, but it's just good to be around people that, that just, you're just with them and throughout the course of the day, you just hear them say, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I was challenged as a young, young man by, by that in the lives of many elders that I had surrounding my life at that particular time and I thought not to mimic or imitate but I, I said, Lord, I want that. I wanna emulate that. I want that to be a part of my life because it's just that unnerving to me to be around people that are always cursing and be around people that are always griping. They're always negative but amen. It's always, if it's not raining, it's partly cloudy and I just, oh, how draining that is, how draining that is. By the same token, to have, 
have the determination that I will bless the Lord at all times. I'm gonna praise him. They believe that prayer ought to incorporate thanksgiving and I'm gonna tell you, no matter how low we are in our lives, there's always something to be thankful for. I know there are days we gotta brush a lot of nonsense out of the way in order to really see the truth of the matter. Sometimes our judgment is clouded and our minds are clouded, our lives are cluttered and, and tragedy strikes close to home and when it does, it can sure skew the lens through which we look. But if we can just move enough of that out of the way, I've got so much to thank him for. I've got so much to praise him for. I've got, I've got so, oh, I've got so much to thank the Lord for and so my prayer ought to always include thanksgiving. Certainly prayer ought to include rest there ought, there ought to be something so overwhelming about being in the presence of the Lord. I, I don't mean cower in fears, uh, uh, cowardly and, 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 and afraid, but I'm talking about reverent fear, reverent fear. The prophet Isaiah saw the Lord in a vision. He saw him sitting on the throne. He saw his train fill the temple. You're familiar with the scripture. And this is what Isaiah wound up saying. Isaiah didn't walk out of there and say, boys you should have been with me today I mean me and the meek man upstairs I mean we got it going on no 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 that's not how Isaiah that's not how Isaiah walked away from that experience Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up he saw him on the throne he saw the train that filled the temple and when he walked away from there he said I I am a man of unclean lips I live among people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. I'm gonna tell you, I know I've mentioned this many times, but I've heard people say, oh, what, what would happen if the Lord just walked through that side door right now? I'm gonna... I'm gonna venture a guess here today. It wouldn't be nearly as exciting as you think it would be. I have felt the presence of the Lord so strong. I have felt the Lord in excitement. I have felt the Lord in jubilance. I have felt the Lord in strength. But I'm gonna tell you, I have had seasons of my life with God that I felt his presence so near until my heart was beating inside my chest. The fear, the reverence, the awe, the wonder of the power and the presence of God. I think that's what Isaiah was trying to say. Isaiah wasn't saying me and the man upstairs got it going on and we're buds, we're hanging out, we're thick as flies. No, Isaiah was saying I saw him and when I saw him I realized I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell among men of unclean lips. Oh God wash me. Oh God purge me. I'm talking about our strength. I'm talking about prayer that can change our minds. Prayer that can change our our lives. Oh, prayer, 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 prayer. That is where we will be restored. Prayer, prayer. Oh, oh. prayer, prayer. Oh, let's lift our hands and love the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, we love you. God, I love you today. I love you today, Jesus. I love you today, Jesus. Oh. Oh. 
got to stay tuned in. We got to stay tuned in. I mentioned this not to imply it's only been one time, but I just remember this one occasion so so readily in my mind. I came I came home one afternoon and I walked in our back door and our back door when you walk in the den it immediately faces our kitchen sink. When I walked in, when I opened the door, I heard my wife praying. But it wasn't just prayer. It wasn't just, oh God, I love you. It wasn't, oh God, I need you and God, I thank you. But she was standing at the kitchen sink. I'm not mocking and mimicking today, but she was standing at the kitchen sink. She was rocking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Prayer, prayer. I realized in a moment of time that the prayer, the spirit of intercession had come over her. She was in ho- at home. I, we later discussed this when she kind of got collective and I and she said, I was just here washing dishes. I was just here working and, and I just felt something come over me, the prayer. The prayer, I don't know where that prayer was going. I'm not trying to just lift her up today, but I'm gonna tell you, I don't know where that prayer was going. I don't know what God was doing in that moment, but I'm gonna tell you that if God, if God was just trying to reach across the street he had reached across the street. If God was just trying to reach across the county, he had reached across the county. If God was just trying to reach from one tip of Florida to the other, God had done that. But you hear me, if God was trying to reach to another continent, I'm gonna tell you from 621 Southeast Cephas Liston Road at a sink full of dishes, amen, there was one woman of God that was holding on here, but she had one hand in heaven and one hand on the other side. Hear me today, I'm talking talking about prayer, 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 prayer. I think of that, I think of that only because of what Isaiah said. I remember my wife when that prayer was over. I remember how she looked and how she felt and how unworthy and how undone. Amen, I'm not trying to embarrass her today, but I'm telling you, it was what Isaiah said. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among men of unclean lips. I'm talking about prayer today. Not just what we do in our corporate services. Not just what we do over the food. Not just what we do when we're tucking our children in at night. Not just what we do when we are bidding them off to a good day of school. Not just what we do with our companions when they're leaving for work or when they're leaving on a trip. I'm talking about prayer, pushing everything back, pushing everything aside and saying, I have got to make room for God. I've got to make room for God. Oh, I feel his presence. Prayer must be done with obedience. The Old Testament Jews believed it was wrong to pray if their hearts were not right. And so we gotta get our hearts right. Prayer, 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 prayer. Amen. When you, I'm gonna go back to my doctor's illustration. When you know you're going to the doctor, I'm gonna tell you, I figured out a long time ago when I'm going to the doctor, I'm not wearing my Wrangler jeans and my cowboy boots. They weigh too much. <laughs> you, know, well, you just pick them up when you get home. You're gonna figure out the preacher's not dumb as he looks. A pair of slacks, t-shirt, 
thinnest, thinnest socks, not even wearing tube socks, thinnest socks I can find. <laughs> You're going to think I've lost my mind. I take my cell phone off, set on, take my keys off. Some of you are laughing because you do the same thing. And others, others of you are laughing because you said, I never thought of that before. <laughs> God bless our pastor in Jesus' name. He's giving away some good material today. I set it all down. And I jump up there and stand as lightly as I can. I don't wanna I don't wanna go up there. <laughs> I don't wanna go up there with sausage gravy drip down here on my shirt. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm go up there smelling like bacon. I'm gonna go up there smelling like I just left sisters. <laughs> if you've been to sisters, you know what I'm talking about. So I, I've got to make sure my heart's right if I'm gonna pray, and so What's good about regular checkups is it, it makes you regularly check up. So what's good about consistent prayer is it makes sure that I got my life right. Because I don't want to kneel down here and talk to God like nothing's going on in my life. I don't want to kneel down here like there's no sin, no, there, there's no guile, there's no indifference. And so, and so that prayer has got to be seasoned with obedience and it must be seasoned with confession because if they knew where they were unclean, they had to purge themselves of sin. And that was David's perspective of Psalms 24. I want you to read this with me. Psalms 24 and 3. The Bible says, Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, that's who's gonna stand. Let's go, go back to verse three again, if you will. Who shall ascend in the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? Here's the answer. A question, now here's the answer. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul to vanity nor sworn deceitfully. That's who can stand in the holy place of God. And so are we gonna let sin and failure and indifference, are we gonna let that keep us out of relationship with God or are we gonna do something about that and say my relationship means so much more to you that I've gotta deal with this so that I can come into your presence and I can come in. Our prayers must be seasoned with unselfishness. Many times we come into to prayer and it sounds like a personal agenda because it is filled with me, myself, and I. Me, 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 me. Certainly prayer must be blanketed with humility. A true Jew knew when they went before the Lord in prayer that they were submitting themselves to the Lord. And there is no greater example of this in all scripture than we find in the prayer of Jesus Christ in the garden when he said, ultimately, not my will, but thine be done. So it has to be done in humility. Prayer must be done with perseverance true believing Old Testament Jews taught that prayer was to be persistent. So in spite of such a great heritage of prayer, several things slowly but surely crept into Israel's prayer life. And I'm gonna mention a few things and then we'll bring this to a close. So despite their great heritage of prayer, despite their great understanding of prayer, 
despite all the connections that they had to prayer, several things just started filtering in. And that was the fact that prayer soon became ritualized. They developed prayers for every object or every occasion and limiting to prayer to specific times and occasions and they turned prayer into a habit that focused on prescribed topics or situations and not real, really born out of genuine desire or need. They developed long prayers and I'm not certainly preaching and speaking against long prayers but their, their prayers were not effective. They just thought, you know, if we're here a long time, that'll matter. And let me tell you something. We can say the same thing about a corporate church service. You can stay here four hours, but that don't necessarily mean you've had church. I've also been in services that were 45 minutes long and you couldn't have added one thing to it. And so it's not by that, that length of what we do, but they thought that. Then there were meaningless repetitions like the prophets of Baal in their contest with Elijah. The Bible says that they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Interpret that literally in your mind. Baal, 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 Baal. Crying, screaming, cutting themselves with stones until they had torn down the very altar that had been erected. Hour after hour repeating the same thing. So we can't just fill up time with nothing. Prayers became something that were just to be seen and heard of men. They were just doing it to appear righteous or religious. I can't say this without quoting my good friend and mentor, the late Bishop L.P. Upton. He said, you should never pray to be seen, but that doesn't hurt to be seen praying. <laughs> and so we had to find that balance. Matthew, in Matthew 6, we'll pick up in our second service and we'll move on from here and we're gonna talk about <clears throat> the two common things that Jesus condemned them for and that was self-centered prayer or prayers that had no meaning. I wanna be right with God. How about you? Amen, let's stand today. I wanna to admonish you to stay for the whole journey. Stay with our second service if you can. I know some physically health reasons cannot but if you can stay because I believe God is gonna to continue to speak something into our hearts. Can we lift up our hands? Can we just worship the Lord in Jesus' name? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.